Thank you, recording lady. That's, I'm starting to get used to that. That's, uh, that's so that, you know, the, the messages end up on our website as well. So uh, um, if you ever miss or whatever, you can, uh, you can just go to the website, you know, weckwinnipeg.ca, and you can, you know, catch up because there's sort of a flow of things. That's kind of how, how things go. Um, a little bit of deja vu here. And that is that it was almost exactly two years ago. It was March 30th, actually, uh, 2020. I was standing here, and there was a group of maybe 20 people in the, in the building here, and a whole bunch of other people who were watching a live stream just as we were being placed in uh, the, the first of the, the restrictions. And... Um, I mean, I, on that day, on that March 30th, it was like we were just saying, a, you know, sort of a see you later. It, it, our sense was that there was, this was just a temporary kind of goodbye. And, and here we are, two years later, almost fully two years later. We would ne- I would never have thought that we, this would be the road that we would have walked uh, together, praise the Lord. But what a road over these two years you know, and we got this prophetic word that, you know, we're on an off-road journey. Um, I mean, we are on an off-road journey as a church in many practical ways. But then there's this other global one, this planetary one, this off-road journey that we've all been on. And, you know, you kind of, I know what's happening to me now that there are the restrictions are being loosened and everything. It's kind of like I'm stopping a little bit and, and saying like, well, what did we, what just happened? <laughs> what, what did we just do? We've been so focused on what to do next and how to change and how to pivot and how to whatever. Um, but there's sort of now there's a little bit of time for reflection, uh, you know, and, 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 you know, kind of looking back on things, and, you know, and, and we've done that. George and I, we spend, you know, every day we have a meeting and every day we pray. We pray in that meeting and, and seek the Lord. And so what I want to do today is it's like we've been in off-road vehicles in this convoy, you know, bumping along through this, ah, this kind of crazy two years. And now that it looks like this part of the journey, it wasn't all about COVID. I'm, I'm sure you realize that. It was about the Lord uh, and, and COVID was sort of, how can I say it? It was sort of a player in, in this drama, but it wasn't all about COVID. As we look back over what we know, we felt like the Lord spoke to us, speaking to us about unity. While everybody else in the world is speaking about COVID, uh, we, feel like the, we felt like the Lord was speaking to us about unity, and that was our compass to try to help us through these uh, two years and now as we've been seeking the Lord, you know, Lord, well, okay, as this uh, kind of section of road, well, or off-road, whatever it is, this section of the journey, it seems is, uh, you know, kind of finding its chapter. Uh, it's like getting a glimpse of, well, what's ahead? What's ahead of us? Lord, what, you know, what are we going into next? What other thing that we've never been through before uh, is coming next. And, and this is what I want to talk about a little bit. It's just some of the things that, you know, as we've prayed and, and talked and observed. I mean, uh, it's not rocket science. Probably you know or, or you've perceived the same kinds of things we have. Again, 
what, what the, the journey ahead, the off-road journey ahead, what, what, it, what it's got in it, it's not all about COVID. It's about other things, actually, and, and, and the, the picture would be of something overlapping. It's not like one road is ending and another road is beginning, or one chapter is ending and another chapter is beginning, but there's been something running underneath these two years, probably more, that we've lived through as we've you know, watched COVID come and, and start to recede. Um, there's been something running underneath it that is... Uh, now coming to the surface, I guess I'll, I'll say it that way. And lo and behold, it looks like it's another off-road chapter, a place where we've never gone before. And I'll, uh, I'll, try, to, I'll try to shed some light on that. I believe that one of the most important things that the Holy Spirit is trying to show the church, and when I'm saying the church, I'm saying us, I'm saying the other churches in the city, the other churches in other provinces, all the way through our nation. So it may be bigger than Canada, but I, I'm, I'm talking about in Canada here when I'm talking about the church. I believe that what the Holy Spirit is wanting to shed light on and kind of equip us for and prepare us for is the fact that our mainstream Canadian society is drifting rapidly from the truth about God and the truth about people. Um, drifting. Uh, and and it's, a, it's drifting with a current. It feels like it's accelerating. And, and what that's producing is tension. Uh, I believe that there's now more tension between the church and the world here in Canada than we've experienced, certainly that I've experienced in my lifetime. And it's, you know, the, the Lord might just shut that whole tendency down or whatever. He's sovereign. He can do that. But if things go the way they're going, then the next part of our journey is, as I say, it's, it's, it's a part of our journey where we've never, we've never been before. And that is to be in a relationship of tension with the world around us. Um, I'll, I'll just give some examples uh, well, and I'll, I'll just leave, I'll just uh, I'll I'll uh, I'll leave it with Canada. There's all kinds of things happening all over the world uh, regarding this tension that's happening between the world and the church. But uh, I, I got enough examples just in Canada. I don't have to go outside of Canada for that. Um, you know, it was some years ago, but where where the government. Um, was withholding from churches and ministries, was withholding summer job grant money uh, to churches and ministries that wouldn't check a box saying that they would promise not to, oh, yeah, all these not doing, promise not to. It comes down to not disagreeing with the government about abortion that the churches or ministries had to promise that they would not disagree with the government about abortion. Uh, and then the, the grant money was withheld if churches and ministries couldn't check that box in good conscience and say, well, no, we actually disagree <laughs> with uh, the government's like policies. Yeah. Well, exactly. Well, as I say, well, and that was, that was one thing. And um, then there's uh, uh, the, uh, the, the threat to remove the charitable status of crisis pregnancy centers across Canada. Um, 
that, that that's a real thing that was part of the platform of the government and they are executing that strategy now where they're, they're um, going to be auditing and, and taking a look at the crisis pregnancy centers across Canada. We have a crisis pregnancy center here in Winnipeg um, and uh, to remove them uh, because they're offering pro-life options uh, to uh, pregnant women. Um, or maybe Journey Canada. Journey Canada <clears throat> used to be called Living Waters, and that was um, a ministry that helped people who want to embrace a sexual identity that honors God and His Word. Um, right now, Journey Canada is under the microscope, and uh, they, they, well, because of uh, Bill C-4, yeah, um, that... There, there was a government law that came out. I don't want to spend too much time talking about this. It's just an example. But um, it, it, where ministries like Journey Canada have to actually stop what they're doing and figure out with lawyers whether, they will, whether what they're doing is now criminal in the eyes of the government. So, well, and, you know, in, in Quebec, if I was wearing this T-shirt in Quebec... You know, this T-shirt says, this T-shirt is illegal in 53 countries. It's actually referring to countries where Christianity is, is restricted or, or where it's against the law to, uh, to tell people about Jesus. Um, but it, I can't wear, if I was a teacher, like a public school teacher in Quebec, I couldn't wear this shirt either. <laughs> it would be illegal um, because they have a, a Bill 21. Oh, what do they call it? The English translation is, Recognizing the laicity of the state. That's what the name of the bill is. Recognizing the, le the laicity of the state. And I don't know, I didn't know what laicity <laughs> meant, but what it means is uh, absolutely no, uh, like there's no religion anywhere. Like that, that, there's no relationship between religion and the state. So that anyone who works for the government in Quebec isn't allowed to wear any religious symbols at all. So having a cross on something or wearing a cross, that wouldn't be allowed if you were a public servant. Eh, well, and if you want to do some research on your own, just Google, oh, what would you need to Google? Finland Christian court case. That would probably be enough to get you there. <laughs> Finland Christian court case. And that has to do with someone who's being taken to court in Finland over hate speech, uh, and if you look at what they actually said, it's not anything different than I would say <laughs> up here um, in terms of honoring the word of God. Uh, the, the, the thing is, we think, okay, Finland's pretty far away, but the, their hate speech laws are very similar, actually, to that of Canada. So it's with great interest that we're watching this court case, which is happening right now, where there's a uh, member of parliament in Finland who is... Uh, facing three charges of, uh, of hate speech <clears throat> based on what she did, <clears throat> which was basically what she did was post uh, a set of Bible verses uh, in her Twitter account. That was one of the things anyways. Um, and you can look at that on your own. Anyways, have I given enough examples just to... Uh, we, you know, this isn't the end of the world. It's the end of something that we've been used to. The rest of the world, in, in much of the rest of the world, the church has understood itself to be in tension with the world. 
and not uh, a friend. Um, we haven't had that experience in our, in our lives, uh, you know, in our history in Canada. So we're coming into some uncharted territory for ourselves. Anyways, in these days, the church in Canada is beginning to have to face a costly choice. Either hold fast to God and his word and stick out like a sore thumb. Um, and our thumbs would be sore because the world would be hitting them with a hammer. Um, or stop talking about sin and salvation in Jesus. That is, give up being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. Uh, the world would probably, at least for a while, stop hammering on us, <laughs> giving us a, having us stick out like a sore thumb. But in the process, we will have been overtaken by the world uh, and uh, neutralized in our mission. The picture would be a sputtering lamp underneath a basket. That's what the light of the world <laughs> would end up looking like if we stopped being who we are as the church. So those are the choices that the church is facing. And believe it or not, brothers and sisters, it's a really hard choice. The church is not used to not being liked by everybody. Uh, and now we can't be liked by everybody. We either please God or we please people. And th that is increasingly the choice that we're facing as the church. Uh, for a church that truly loves and serves Jesus, there can only be one choice. We've got to stay true to the, to the Lord and accept the fact that the world's not going to be our friend. Well, you know what? It's true. It's true that the church itself, I think, is having troubles with this choice. Uh, I think, like I say, we're not used to um, having to choose. We're, 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 we're used to kind of just straddling both kingdoms and we're, you know, we kind of can move in each one and everybody's happy or everybody's sort of happy. Um, that's not what our call is as the church. We're called to accept the fact that the world might not want to be our friend, even though we are called by God to be messengers of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ for them. Our call doesn't change. We're still called to bring the good news of Jesus Christ to them. It's actually not our message to withhold we belong to Jesus. It's his message. And it's not like, well, am I going to share this with anybody? It's, it's not even our message. We're the messenger. The days ahead, I believe, are crucial for us as the church going forward to maintain our identity as uh, God's people in a society that uh, is increasingly hostile towards God's word it's increasingly hostile towards God's people. Again, not the end of the world. Pretty well us just finding a place alongside brothers and sisters in Christ who've lived like this in the nations that they live in. So how do we do it? How do we maintain our identity and our mission in a hostile land? Uh, happily, we have the Word of God to help us know how to do that. Uh, and I'll take us back. We'll, we'll go back to Moses, go back to the Israelites, 
who were going to enter the promised land. You see, God, uh, talk about an off-road journey. <laughs> they, they had this journey that brought them from slavery right to the edge of a land promised by God for them, that they would have a place. The thing is, that land wasn't empty. They would be a minority in an environment that was hostile. They were, they were a minority culturally. They were a minority spiritually, for sure, as they were surrounded by pagan nations. And they were vulnerable to that. And so there's a little bit of uh, the book of Deuteronomy where Moses is uh, passing along to them some teaching, some equipping that God wanted to give them before, just before they went into the promised land. So let's uh, look at the word of God, shall we? Let's. The book of Deuteronomy, and we're going to look at chapter 6. And I'm going to hopefully just take us through a few observations as we look through Deuteronomy chapter 6, like the first 12 verses or so. So here we go. Verse 1. Now, this is the commandment. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. If If you're still looking, which is, it's okay. Okay, Um, verse 1. Now this is the commandment, this this is Moses talking. The statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you. So this is inspired teaching on top of it. It's not just Moses, you know, shooting the breeze. This is Moses passing along a message from the Lord to these people. And uh, he says, to teach you that you may do them in the land to which you're going over, to possess it. So the first question is, okay, where, we need some context. Where does this take place? Well, this is by the Jordan River, right on the edge of the promised land. Who's talking? Moses. We already established that. Who's he talking to? Is he talking to the children of Israel? Well, perhaps technically, but actually he's not talking to the children of Israel. He's talking to the children of the children of Israel. So you think, well, what happened to to that first gen, the previous generation? Because he's talking to the next generation. Well, here's the thing, is that when they left Egypt, you know, at God's behest, to take possession of the promised land, they had a journey of about 350 miles to get to the Jordan River. Even with a stop off at Mount Sinai for a month, that shouldn't have taken them more than a couple of months to make that journey. And yet, it took them 40 years to make that journey. Why did that happen? It's kind of a sad story. And, and well, many of you know that already. You know that story. That is that they actually did get to the Jordan River in a little over, you know, a couple of months with that first generation. And they, they wouldn't go over into the promised land. God's, God said, go. Moses said, go. And they wouldn't go. Why? Because they were scared. They didn't trust God, and they didn't trust Moses. They sinned, and that's sort of their first sin, is they didn't trust the Lord. And so they shrank back. Well, and they actually, there was another sin that they were guilty of. And that is that they didn't equip their children for life in the promised land. 
They were supposed to teach their children by example uh, how to hold fast to God and to his word. And they didn't do it. They, were, they, were, they weren't an example. They were a cautionary tale when it was all said and done. So um, that meant that here we are now at the beginning of, of Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6 where Moses is needing to reteach the children of the children of Israel who God is and what it means to be his people and how they're to retain their identity in the land that they're going to be going into, a hostile land. So the book we're reading, uh, it's called Deuteronomy. It basically means a second look at the law of God. So Moses had to do a second look at the law of God because the parents didn't teach their children about God, how to hold fast to him and to his word. They, didn't, they had to do a reboot for the next generation because the first generation didn't do its job. So, verse 2. Now that we know where we are and who's talking and who's talking to. Moses, he's finishing a sentence here. That you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commands, which I command you all the days of your life, and, and that your days may be long. So I want to make five observations, hopefully get in five this morning. Uh, and here's the first one. And uh, um, I, I'm going to ask Shalish if you could remember this one. Uh, like it's kind of like a PowerPoint, but it's, it's, it's a human PowerPoint. Okay, so it's just you remembering this one point. You ready? And it's this. Run like you're in a relay race. This is how we as God's people going forward into this unknown experience and unknown relationship with our, the country around us, the world around us, where we are in increasing tension with them and there's increasing pressure for us not to be who we are. Run like you're in a relay race. Don't run like you're just in your own race. And I think if we're honest with ourselves, it probably feels like that's about all that we're interested in. Is, oh, I'm just making sure my race is getting run. But you see, when you look at it like a relay race, you see, that's what it really is. God's plans and purposes don't just sit within our lifetime. God's plans and purposes have been rolling through the generations all the way up to us and us, and they'll be rolling past us as well. So we've got a role, we've got an important R-O-L-E role in this right now. That is, we need to, in a, in, a, in a faithful and in an honoring way, we need to receive what those who have run before us have carried for us to equip us. We need to receive that well. And then we need to run our own race with perseverance, the race marked out for us. But that's not all. There's a handoff to be done. We have to be thinking about the generation after us. So we have to, we have to achieve a good, clean, purposeful handoff of that which the Lord gave to us to carry. And now we need to give to the next generation to carry. It's not good enough. It's not, it's not good enough to just run our own race. We have to run like we're in a relay race. Do you get that? Okay, that's one thing we can do going forward in this off-road journey that we're facing. Um, verse 3. 
Hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them. If you don't mind underlining your Bible, you can underline the word careful. But if otherwise, just take note. Therefore, O Israel, and uh, hear, O Israel, hear therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, these, these, uh, God's word, that it may go well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord your God, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. So, uh, a bit of advice number two. Ben, I wonder if you could hold on to this particular point. You might have to memorize it, brother, if you don't have a pen. Oh, no. You'll get it. You'll get it. You ready? Just a second. Shalish, what was the first one? Amen. And here's the second one. Teach your children well by instruction and example. Teach your children well by instruction and example. And well, if you haven't got children, that's okay. Your, your uncles and aunties to all kinds of kids. That, uh, in, in the church spiritual family, there's all kinds of opportunity to obey this. To teach your children well by uh, instruction and example. Okay. I actually, you know what? I'm going to pull that. I'm sorry, Ben. I'm going to pull that. I'm going to, I'm, I want to draw out something else from this verse first. Well, it's not like not that. But let's call that number four. We've done number one. Let's call that number four. And we'll have two and three in between. Sorry about that. Um, uh, okay. There, land flowing with milk and honey. So number two. And uh, Ben, I'll still have you guarding number four there. Number two, uh, you know what? How about Kurt? How about you remember this one? Point number two, guard God's word. That's it, guard God's word. Um, it says in verse three, and I talked about this word, be careful to do them. The word is shamar. Uh, shamar is a big word in Hebrew. It doesn't just mean I'm, I'm going to be careful. It has the idea of guarding something. It has the idea of watching over something. It has the idea of setting a hedge of protection around something. It, it has the idea of making sure it's there and making sure it's guarded and it's okay. That is how our relationship with the Word of God is to be. That we guard it. That we watch over it. That we shamar it. There's lots of places in the Bible where God is shamaring us. He's watching over us. He's setting a hedge of protection over us. All of that. And He's saying, shamar my Word. You know, guard my word, watch over my word. And, and it, it, it's, it's a, there's a connection between obeying God's word and things going, oh, blessings. Things, things like, it's almost like the word of God's the instruction manual. And I don't know if you're like me, sometimes I don't look at the instructions if I've got to build something or whatever. And you know, there's something that always goes wrong because you miss something, right? Anyways, I know that's none of you. It's only me that ever does that. But um, anyways, the, when we obey the word of God, we are operating according to the designer's design. And I, and I always say this, when we use something according to the way it's designed, there are always blessings. And when we use something not according to the way it's designed, there are always consequences right from using the wrong kind of spoon to eat really cold ice cream, you know. 
uh, to uh, you know, bigger things than that. that there, when, when we use something according to design, there's always blessings and benefits. When we do not, when we use something contrary to its design, there are always consequences. Anyways, the Word of God is like that. When we live according to the Word of God, then we're living according to design. Amen? Praise the Lord. Okay, um, so what was the first? Now, now I've confused everybody, including myself. So number one, Shalish, was good. Run like you're in a relay race. It's not just about us. It's about what's, those who came before us and those who are coming after us. Number two, what was that one, Kurt? Guard God's word. Shamar, the word of God. Excellent. And I'm going to go on to verse 4. Hear, O Israel. Oh, this is familiar. Hear, O Israel. The Lord, your, our God, the Lord is one. That's a, that's a famous statement of faith. Uh, uh, if you want to serve a little bit more clarity about the Lord, our God, the Lord, the God, uh, uh, our God, the Lord is one. Another way to put it would be, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is the one and only. That's another way to put that because it carries all of that. He's the one and only. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. So number three, okay? Rebecca, you're ready to help me with number three? Number three is this. Go all in for God. Go all in for God. None of this sort of stuff. You know, God, in the Old Testament here, we haven't got, you know, you know do your best to see if you can love the Lord your God. You know, it's not like that. It's all in. Faith, the faith that we carry, even though doubt the enemy tries to heap doubt on us. Our own sinful nature receives that and we end up just all you know, uh, you know, um, um, hindered and, and bothered by doubt and everything. The thing is, wow, can you imagine just setting it aside and going all in? Go all in for God? Not just sort of put the toe in, but dive in? All in for God. That's what that's saying when it says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your might. Praise the Lord. Yeah, that we go all in. And Jesus didn't, didn't soften that any. We, you know, gentle Jesus, meek and mild. All of that is true perhaps, but there's a side. He's a lion of Judah as well, isn't he? And when he's talking about faith, he's saying like, look, you want to follow, you know, anyone who says they want to follow me and they look back, they're not, they're not fit for the kingdom. You know, if, you're, if you're, your eye causes you to sin, tear it out. You know, if your hand causes you to cut it off. Like he's talking in extremes like this. I just mean those things literally. Uh, that's, he's using hyperbole. It's, people often do that. But he's, he means it. He's talking about how important it is not to treat sin like it's no big deal. Right? And, and we've got Jesus saying, this is Mark 8.38. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, he would have gotten arrested in Finland um, by saying that, of him will the Son of Man also be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. We have a God who is worth going all in for. 
We have a God who is worth trusting and relying on. And we have a God who is worth saying no to doubt. Yeah, doubt. I mean, doubt is, is a constant. Uh, it's constantly nattering at us, right? Um, and the enemy, will, he'll fuel that because he doesn't, I mean, he can't, if you're saved, he can't stop you from being saved, but he can sure try to hinder you. And, and doubt is a hindrance to us when it comes to the Lord. So all in for God. Okay. And uh, I'm going to go into verses 7, 8, and 9 now. Oh, well, praise the Lord, Laney. This is, well, it is good. It's the, it's the word of the Lord here. Uh, Moses says, You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. Woo! Yeah. And the, the bit of advice there is, uh, what was that again, Ben? Teach your children well by instruction and example. You know what? We, we, tend to, we tend to let the pros do that. You know, someone, let, let a professional teach my children. You know, when it comes to the faith, uh, brothers and sisters, the parents actually have the lion's share of that job because you're there. Instruction, yes. You want to write them on the doorposts or, you know, I mean, again, many took that totally literally and, and took boxes and little models of the law and put them on their forehead and then put them around and then put, you know, put that, when Karen and I visited Israel, lots of people walking around with that stuff. I don't know. And Jesus saw people walking around with that stuff. Flactories, right? Uh, yeah, they, 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 uh, they, the Pharisees, they did that. They wore the law on the, like they were taking this literally. And I'm thinking of Jesus walking around and looking at these guys and knowing their hearts and going, yeah, you got a box on your head, but in your heart, <laughs> the law's not in there. So I, I think Jesus appreciates if we have that in our heart and we don't have to put it in a box on our head or on our hand. Uh, it's probably best that it's in our heart and that'll probably do for the Lord. Having a box on your head but not having it in your heart just makes it look ridiculous. So anyways, um, uh, so teach your children well by instruction and example. This word diligently, it says you shall teach them diligently to your children. The word is shanan. Shanan is the idea of sharpening a knife. It's the idea of taking something and sharpening it and then making it more sharp and then sharpening it again and then coming back and sharpening it again. That's the idea of how we should approach the issues of faith, our faith, with our children. They're not going to teach themselves. It's not the way that it works. And I'll tell you, there's a world and a, there's a whole universe of social media that's just waiting to teach them things that are opposite to those of the kingdom. And oftentimes if we are distracted or busy or whatever and we don't have time to talk to our children about God, someone's already talked to them about God and told them all kinds of lies. So now you've got, you got more of a, a challenge and that is to unravel the lies and then teach what is right. So brothers and sisters, if your parents, if you're those aunties and uncles around and everything, oh, we need to obey this, especially going forward. It's not going to do for us to go, oh, somebody else will teach them that. They won't. There's nobody else now. 
There's the church who believes in God. And we're the only ones who can pass that along to our children. The schools aren't going to do it. They'll do the opposite. Social media won't do it. They'll do the opposite. Um, it comes back down to the parents first. Church houses, we got a lot, you know, we meet in homes and everything. Church houses, count the children because the children count. They're really important. Make sure that all the teaching isn't just all over their heads. Make sure they're, they're, they're acknowledged there. Um, and then for the, the, the children's ministry, you know, for our celebration services where we're celebrating that we're all together, we want our children to be able to celebrate that too. So, so Jen, Jen uh, we believe that Jen has heard from the Lord about children's ministry and how to do it in this new way where we've got homes, we've got homes and we've got the celebration services. And everything. She's working hard. And she's creating support materials because there's something in this of the Lord that the parents are the first in. So that stuff's there. I know we're all busy and we're all distracted and everything, but it's like, it would be a good idea to pray and find out what the Lord would have us do regarding the next generation. Find out what the Lord would have us do in that part of the relay race where we've got to pay some attention to the handoff. Because it's not like, well, I'm just, I'm just running. I haven't even got a baton. And when, I, when I'm down, I'm down. I go to heaven, I be with Jesus. That's it. There's more. It's a bigger plan that the Lord has that we're involved in. So, um, yeah, the, you know, right now, the, okay, the, the tots. We got enough teachers, the people to, to, you know, help the tots along today. That's a great start. But then there's the all the five ages five to twelve that we you know we want something for them as well. So my encouragement is seek the Lord. These are for the days we're coming into. We need to be equipping the children, and we know we know the Lord's given us this model for doing church. So we're also trusting that He's going to be speaking to people about participating in this regarding the children. Is it me, Lord? is a good question to be asking him in these days. Because he's got a plan and he's got a purpose for the generation that comes after you and me. And we're part of it, actually. So it's just to figure out with the Lord how we're part of it. So teach your children well by instruction and, and example. And thank the Lord. You know, there's some people who are already kind of popping up and going, yeah, I see it. And they're, they're starting to help. Praise the Lord. So Jen's not alone. But man, there's more to go. So I'll put that out there. And then I'll finish up here with verse 10. Uh, 10 to 12. And when the Lord your God brings you into the land, that he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, to give you with great and good cities that you did not build, and houses full of all good things that you did not fill, and cisterns that you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees that you did not plant. And when you eat and are full, then take care. There's that word again, actually, shamar. Take care, lest you forget the Lord. What a weird thing. You figure all those blessings, you didn't earn any of them. You got all kinds of just, just beautiful blessings from God that were undeserved. How could it ever be that when we, uh, when we experience these blessings, that, that the result isn't gratitude to God? 
I can tell you from experience, it happens. You start, you start thinking, man, am I ever great? Look at all the stuff. Look at all the blessings I've got. Or, you know, you start, you start looking at the blessings like, like, like that, that there's now your treasure and, and you're, now the blessings start taking the place of God. And then you're starting to operate out of fear. You've got to hold on to these blessings. And if, if somehow following God means that you lose some of these blessings, well, you trade God for the blessings. It's a terrible thing. But it's also the human heart. So it's, it says, Take care lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt and of the house of slavery. It, it is a, it's a strange phenomenon. If we want to stay true to who we are in the world, in a world that doesn't like who we are, we must never forget what Jesus did to save us. And what we were saved from. We must never forget. It was good. Thank you, brother, for testifying. That was great because you talked about that. You, you didn't forget what the Lord saved you from, and you're testifying to what the Lord's done for you. We've got to hold on to that in the days coming. We've got to actually believe in salvation. The world doesn't believe in that. They figure they're pretty good, as is. Um, we know that that's not true. None of us is. But so we've got to, we've got to carry this and not forget it. Um, we must never forget that the Lord's asking us to pass on this good news of Jesus Christ along to others to deliver his message to a lost world. And as I already said, it, the Lord's good news is not ours to withhold. It's his good news of salvation. So, in conclusion. Oh, I guess I didn't tell somebody the fifth point. I wonder, Ken, do you think you could hold on to the last fifth point there, and that is guard your sense of salvation. Guard, this is what we need to do for the days going forward. Guard your sense of salvation. Okay, so here's our review. Number one of, okay, the thing is, how do we move forward in this new road or this new chapter in this nation that we live in, in the state that it's in in 2022, how do we move forward in church, as the church, holding on to our identity and our mission? Number one, uh, Shalish. You were number one, I think. Run like you're in a relay race. Excellent. Number two, who's up? Praise the Lord. Number three. Go all in for God. Number four. Excellent. And number five, Ken. Guard your sense of salvation. Praise the Lord. Just a final note, and that is, remember what this place that the Israelites were going was called. It wasn't called the terrible land where you're going to have horrible experiences. It was called the promised land. That's because God promised it to them. So take comfort in the fact that even though for us what we're going into is unknown and it doesn't sound like everything in it is pleasant, it doesn't sound like everybody around us is going to like us for who we are, um, it's land that he's taking us into. It's our promised land. 
it, God promised us an off-road journey. So this off-road journey is His promise to us. It's His promised land. There are blessings as we stay close to the Lord and to His Word. Amen? Okay, God bless you. Thank you. Yeah. Amen. Thanks, Rob. Yeah, praise the Lord.